Welcome to the Bare Naked ABCs, where we exclaim and explain each Bare Naked Ladies song while we restrain ourselves from brain drain. I'm your host, Tracy, while I am joined by... Aaron. Michelle. And the Yoko owner of our group. Bobby. <laughs> so he'd say... <laughs> Who's that? Wait, cut. Cut. Which one is the cut. Yoko owner of our group? Go to commercial. Cut. <laughs> this interview's over. <laughs> is that me? Maybe you're the... Maybe more like the John Lennon. Me? I'll take it. All right. Wait, wouldn't wouldn't he be the Pete Best? I mean, well, I wasn't like an assessment, Bobby. I'm just, but he was. Ouch! He was the best of the Beatles. That's oh, bad. That is a dad. That joke. wasn't even me. He put out an album called Best of the Beatles. Right, right. Which is true. He was. So tonight's song, if you haven't picked up on our theme yet, is "Be My Yoko Ono." Wait, we're leaving this as is. <laughs> you can be my Yoko Ono. You can follow me wherever I go. Be my, be my, be my, be my Yoko Ono. This song was a single. It was originally on Buck Naked. That's right. The third and fourth editions it was on Bare Naked Lunch. It was on the Yellow Tape. It was also less famously on Gordon in 1992. And then it was also on Disc One, All the Greatest Hits, and also w- was redone for iTunes Original. Whew. <laughs> that was a long one. It was written by Ed and Steve. It reached number 77 on the Canadian charts the first time around. What about the so, second time around? Yeah, actually, they did keep re-releasing it in order to, to kind of promote the later stuff. So Here's a um, quick question. Do the Canadian charts matter? <laughs> Just kidding, all you Canadian listeners out there. I love Canada. I think they would be... Uh, the first to say they don't. <laughs> and, oh, no, that was my look. That's that's what Canadians do. They're like, yeah, hey, it doesn't really matter. It's just the Canadian charts, you know. That's Canadian. That's they, the self-effacing, uh, passive-aggressive humor. That's that's all Canada, right there. Well, luckily we didn't lose any of our Canadian viewers there. Not not even. Um, no, I fucked because you up. can't view this. They're all listening. <laughs> I was gonna say. I was yeah. Uh, I was gonna say. Uh, we didn't lose our Canadian listener. <laughs> Singular. Hi, Tyler. Thanks. Yes, thanks, Tyler. All of a sudden. We know you listen. Come on the show. They're all happy that Tyler, I'm Tyler, if you're listening. <laughs> Someday they will. I'll be so happy. Uh, that would be exciting. And embarrassed. <laughs> I will say, Stephen so... has liked a few of my tweets, so before long, we'll be friends. I just know it. <laughs> <laughs> or you will have a restraining order wow that's that's actually i mean this song is about obsession in a weird way so that's kind of appropriate <laughs> i'm not obsessed i've just got very little in my life <laughs> oh, except the bare naked ladies speaking of that bobby i wanted to tell you that um i saw lights on Fear the Walking Dead. That's right. Not on Fear the Walking Dead. She's she was, the yeah, did the Talking Dead. Dead. Yeah. Yep. I heard about that. I didn't see it, but she's... Tying into the Junos. I almost sent you a message, and then I 
<laughs> don't remember why I didn't, but I'm telling you now. I'm such a geek. Oh my gosh. But she's just so cute. Anyway, and she's super talented is the thing. She's a very talented yes. person. She is a graphic novel that's going to be coming out shortly. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's actually, it's the t- like her album was released with six issues of a comic, so they all tied together. And the graphic novel nice. is like the comics all together and stuff. But yeah. Oh, cool. But anyway, cool. she's, yeah, she's super talented. But anyway, we're supposed, I'm sorry, I'm digressing. <laughs> I- I this is why you lost a listener, that, that because of me. She has a daughter, too, I found out. <laughs> yeah, she does, yeah. I mean, I'm not, like, obsessed. I just, you know, followed her on Twitter, and she, like, has pictures of her daughter. I'm going to protect you at your trial and and continue this discussion. I sound like a mental patient. Uh, anyway, could be. She's my Yoko Ono. I'm sorry, is this the bare naked ABCs? <laughs> She's my... No, I'm serious. <laughs> I would give up musical genius if she could be could my be, could be. personal Venus. That's what I'm saying. See, I tied it all back around. But, but, but Bobby, that requires you having <laughs> musical genius. You, you are totally is... a writing genius. I, I th- that that, that <laughs> joke only... fell dead. Like the only, the only DOA. genius I am is the biological classification. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, get it. That's. That joke felt right. right. Okay, <laughs> let's right. move let's, on. Let's leave that thing dying in the corner and move on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so this music was... Speaker's a, Corner, by sev- any chance? Sure, let's talk about Speaker's Corner. Go well, ahead. you said dying in a corner, so I said, <laughs> how about Speaker's Corner to transition, right? So they kicked it out. The Bare Naked Ladies found this dying in Speaker's Corner. They kicked it out of the box and... Go ahead, Bobby. Well, I mean, they made a video for like a dollar, and it became, <laughs> you know, very, uh, very popular. It actually, it's, it sort of is what's kind of got them renowned in Canada. But anyway, uh, this song, "Be My Yoko Ono," as you said, it was on <laughs> all of those discs. Now, in Stephen's own words, from the liner notes of the disc one, okay. Uh, all their greatest hits. This is Stephen in his own words. He says, we recorded this song in my parents' basement and submitted it to a local modern rock radio station for their oh, annual it, talent search. To our surprise, CFNY added it to the disc as a bonus track. They called and asked for the master tape. I didn't have the heart to tell them that they had it. A cassette. Instead, we said, sure, you can have it by next week and race into a real studio and head it for them the next week. It became our first hit in Canada. But anyway, um, I thought I think that's a fun, interesting story because I think what it does, I mean, let's be honest, this was their first like kind of really big hit. And I think what's exciting about it, and I noticed this watching the video, both videos actually, and just listening to the song, it's got that energy, you know, it's got such great energy in the videos, the way they're like just so animated and jumping around. I, I often think when I hear this song, all it's missing is a few horns and it could be ska. It's got that same kind of energy, you know, of like a ska and song. And it's the almost. right era too. Right, right. And so I think that that's what's kind of cool. It's kind of it's nice for me to sort of be back for this song because the last time oh, I yeah. was here, I was talking yeah. about the Juno Awards <laughs> and them coming to, together. And this song, I think, in a way, I mean, it, it, it's uh, sort of the positive energy of everything that was great about them when they were young and just having fun, you know? Because this is like just 
seems like pure fun for them. Yeah. I did a little research mm-hmm. on the video, but we could talk about that later. <laughs> well, this Agreed. song is so Agreed. special in so many ways. Like, I don't know how much you guys researched. I know you guys probably researched quite a bit for this, and because this is up there on one of my favorites ever. There are so many firsts about this song. So before I jump in with all the stuff that I pulled together, do other people have things that they want to pull together about this? Oh, I can uh, wait till later in the conversation. <laughs> well, Bobby, I want to jump on one of the things that you said, like the speaker's corner. That was their first video ever. Like them mm. jumping into that speaker's corner and, you know, hopefully people that have listened to this podcast know this, but like, so they started off and they're like, Hi, we're Bare Naked Ladies and we're a little too cheap to make our own video. So here you go. One, two, three, go. And then they had right. broken down the song to 59 seconds exactly to be able to fit it into the into the speaker's corner. And it's interesting because I was just listening the other night to a Facebook live feed and Steve was talking about this um, or I saw it on another one, but I think it was the Facebook live feed. Um, and Steve was saying they came back to him later on and told him, like, that's what we always en- envisioned that Speaker's Corner would be used for. Like, beforehand, it was always people, like, calling and, or stepping into the booth and complaining, like, so-and-so stole my dog or the lights aren't working <laughs> on this street. <laughs> and then they stepped in and they're like, this is perfect. This is what we wanted this to be used for. So it was really wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for people who don't know, it was a booth that um, the CBC put on the corner of Queen Street and John Street in front of the Toronto City TV studio at Chum City Building. And you'd pay a dollar and it would start recording. And then they would take the best recordings of the week and put it into this TV show called Speaker's Corner. They recorded it, and it was on there, and it was suddenly, very quickly, became a much-requested part of the show every week. It's really a neat idea. Yeah. I mean, what a great idea for you know publicizing your band. Agreed. And they did it They did it not to so much publicize, like, buy our tapes. They had a upcoming gig that they wanted people to come to, and so they told people, like, they told people to do this so that they would come to their gig the week after. What a great way to put your name out. And, that is, and yeah. this is before social media or Twitter or Instagram right. or Facebook. That had not even been oh, yeah. heard of. That wasn't even a thought at that point. This was point. what, like circa 88, 89, somewhere around there? 90. Yeah. Uh, 90, 90 I March think, 91. Yeah. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. So it was when they were okay. recording the yellow tape and were selling through Page Productions, which we can get into mm. in our day, but they, it's when they were selling through Page Productions, the uh, yellow tape. And it's one of the things uh, of a couple of different coincidences that sent their recordings at Sam the Record Man stores through the roof. So it's really cool that they did that. Indeed. It just seemed like they were having so much fun, too, you know? Yeah. Just good times. Sort of infectious. Exactly. So the other thing that makes this song so important is, I don't know if you ever heard about the the Disc to Discovery contest that they won. I did not. The reason that (laughs) they got their first album was they took this song, 
And thanks to the recording that Bobby was mentioning earlier, they actually sent it into this Disc to Discovery program contest through CFNY FM 102. They won the contest. And in winning the contest, what they were given, it was $100,000 to use to record an album, which they then used to record Gordon. So this song is basically what made it so that they could record Gordon. It paid off. (laughs) Just a little bit. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, so actually, I guess it's to share a personal uh, reason as to why this song is important. Tracy, back when you first told me about your idea for this podcast and pitched it to me and asked me to be a part of it, uh, obviously, compared to the rest of you, I had not... I, I've probably heard more Bare Naked Ladies songs just in the in the time I've been doing this podcast by an order of several orders of magnitude than I'd ever known. I, I maybe could name five Bare Naked Lady songs when you asked me to do this. Uh, fortunately, one of the songs I knew was Be My Yoko Ono, and that was one of the songs that was in the back of my head as you asked me, and I, it was one of the reasons I decided to dive in and be a part of this project, because I, I did like that song quite a bit, as well as uh, Brian Wilson, which we'll talk about down the road in the Summer of Bees. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag summer Parents hot take. but uh yeah so i i like this song uh instantly when i heard it and i still like it now and i was uh happy that we were covering it tonight so i do want to mention that one of the things that should be noted about this song is this song was played played the first time that they played it the last temptation which was the first time that Andy and Jim got up on stage with them, with Steve and Ed, and actually played. And we'll get into more about that that amazing concert that I wish I'd, you know, been prescient enough to be at. But yeah, they got up on stage with them at the Last Temptation, and this is one of those songs that they actually played. So it's been with them since the very beginning. So I sent you guys a bunch of the different versions oh, yeah. of this song. Um, if you guys want to take a minute, if you if you have time and you want to talk a little bit about the different versions, I'm totally open to it. Or if you want to move on, I can just quickly gloss over it. Uh, I can I can give my I'll give my hot take on it. <laughs> <laughs> and here's yeah. why I cut that part in. Aaron's hot take. Awesome. <laughs> so the buck naked version. Uh, I really enjoyed hearing them laugh while performing it. You could really, like Bobby said, you could tell how much fun they were having. Uh, that made it enjoyable for me. However, the the tempo is way slower. Mm-hmm. Uh, it reminded me. You guys have your. <laughs> you know why it's slower? I feel. I feel like. I feel like the new Spider Man. Do you guys remember this old old movie? That thing you do. Sure, sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that thing you do before they before the drummer speeds up the song. It felt like that. It was a little plodding. It was a little slow. Uh, they really. I think the song really needs that high energy to really work. That's a good analogy. So I. I well, do you know what they're missing? Uh, drums. Yeah. They didn't have... So at, when they did Buck Naked... Was Tyler not a part of the band? No one was. So when they bu- no recorded Buck was. Naked, it was just Steve and Ed. Oh, wow. Okay, well, there you so go. So you have, you have no driving bass section. You have no no percussion at all from Andy or from, from so Tyler. Maybe it was a literal that thing you do moment. Maybe Tyler came in and said, let's speed this up a bit. Or, or a lot, <laughs> as it may be. Uh, the bare naked lunch version is faster, so you get that. You still get that intimacy without the plotting pace. I like it better. Uh, the yellow tape is actually probably my favorite of the alts that I listen to. It is high energy. 
to coin a phrase. Uh, it's very entertaining to listen to, and they came the closest to perfectly nailing those close, tight harmonies outside of the studio version. Um, the right. iTunes, the iTunes original. I like that they started off with the one, two, three, four, and the kind of Beatles. Uh, Liverpool accent. I like this probably second best of the alts. Good instrumentation. I really like the accordion. I have a note here, TMBG. Mm. I promise not to mention they might be definitely. giants in every episode, but <laughs> I will definitely reference them in this episode. Keep going. <laughs> well, that, that was pretty much it. Uh, you know, I mean, my favorite is still the studio version, though. But how about you guys? Anything that you particularly had to that could remark on from either being a I don't know. <laughs> Anything you can remark on from the, the various versions? To me, when I hear mm. the song, and it's not even my favorite BNL song, but this mm. to me is what they sound sure. like. This is their sound. This, especially in a live version of the song, where you really hear those melding harmonies and that that energy you know and it's and it is the perfect song for tyler to just yeah. crank it up a little bit and almost take them off the rails you know what i mean like it's so good and it just I, that, that, th- to me this is what bare naked ladies sound like this is their sound i think you hit the nail on the head there michelle i actually have a note here in my notes i'm looking i wrote mm-hmm. this yeah, is yeah. top shelf bare naked ladies did yes. you guys, I, sorry, I had to step away from it did you guys cover exactly that why the bare naked lunch sounds so wrong? So bare naked lunch. They did it on acid. <laughs> it <laughs> <As> a... <laughs> sounds like it. Um, Tribute to Burroughs. No, there were speed problems on oh. the taping and on the recording of this song. So part of the problem with that whole tape is the speed and the pitch problems. So if you go back and listen, like you can't tell who's singing or why because the speed and the pitch are all messed up throughout that whole album. Gotcha. Um, they quickly went back to the studio and, and record. Matter of fact, Bobby, when you were mentioning that they had to go back and re-record to release that back to the to the person for the contest. Yes. This that was the recording that they had to go back and send and say, no, that's not our best version of this, and re-record it. Which the re-record is what they did for the Yellow album. Okay, that, that makes a lot of sense then. Cool. Do you mean the Yellow Tape? Sorry, the Yellow Tape, yes. <laughs> he, well, he's got Beatles on the brain. So the White Album, the Yellow no, Album. No, I don't blame you, yeah. The White yeah, exactly. Yoko Ono. Could be my Yoko Ono. Oh, wait, I can't sing that. I don't have permission to, like, Please don't sing sue. the tune. Please don't charge us. <laughs> Bobby's not representing everybody in ABC in the legal sense. Legal hot take. I was literally and more speed talking it. I didn't sing it. Um, yeah, okay. Bobby referenced the liner notes for the disc one, all their greatest hits that mm. Stephen Page wrote. It was tongue in cheek referred to as a skiffle track. He's like, enjoy our yep. skiffle days, which I loved because it's very appropriate. The Beatles were originally a, a skiffle band, and this does right. sort of sound like skiffle, which I really, especially when Bobby described it as basically, uh, uh, <laughs> if you want to know what skiffle sounds like, uh, basically, uh, uh, ska without the horns. <laughs> right. It's right. kind of upbeat folk rock. You know, it's the, the Beatles did "My right. Bonnie Lies Over the Ocean," right? And they would take these folk songs and they would like put it behind this like really fast pace, and they it'd be like rock, but it was like not like rock the way it's rock, Jim, but not as we know it. <laughs> 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 it's before the days of the distorted guitar. 
it was certainly a far cry from she's so heavy yeah <laughs> but man yeah they they start off as a skiffle band and I, I can totally see the the it almost does sound like skiffle so i think it was uh, pretty you could probably fairly fairly appropriately classify it thusly i thought that was enjoyable so do we want to discuss the the music of it a little bit let's take a listen If there's someone you can live without, then do so. <laughs> yeah, we should have probably done that a while ago. <laughs> let's let's By edit way, that. Hey guys, saw. get in my DeLorean, <laughs> and through the magic of tape editing, we will put that previously in the episode. Previously so on Fair Naked ABC. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, the music of this song. Okay. Oh, are we breaking it down? Yeah, let's do a music <laughs> breakdown. Okay. I'm not going to dance. You don't want to see me dance, Aaron. Break down, break down, break down. Aaron's going to talk about chord structure and time. Okay, so the tempo for the album version runs around 236 BPM. I say around because they do seem to play free, so it ra- rushes and drags a little, and I do mean a very little. Tyler's got a really good sense of tempo um we'll talk about that more too because that comes back up to their second album yeah. later on so the next time we come to a song on their second album remind me to talk yeah, about, sure. about tyler and the beat so uh yeah i really I, he's he's like an unsung hero of the band i will say like he's he's such a such a great drummer he really is and i am a drummer so i do tend to notice drummers more than other people but even me he, he does his job so well he sort of almost blends in with the scenery you know what i mean which is it's like a good film score they say you shouldn't really notice it unless it's you know a really really dramatic moment it is about about 236 beats per minute very fast song and it's nice that i can after the previous track where i was kind of waffling a little i can very authoritatively say this song is in the key of f major <laughs> f major <laughs> and very very f major it is in fact the main chord progression in the song is a very simple one three four five one it's like the most basic pop rock progression you could ever get uh, of course it's appropriate because the beatles frequently wrote very simple but beautiful songs like this so. again the form uh, fits right in again very simple and straightforward you've got an intro verse chorus verse chorus bridge verse chorus that's basically the prototype for a pop rock song pop rock country uh most of the you know uh the western <laughs> derivatives of blues it's abab cab a-b-a-b-c-a-b uh, <laughs> verse chorus verse chorus bridge verse chorus very 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 traditional uh and again it's fitting because i you know a lot of beatles stuff falls into that the, the, the beatles i mean it's certainly it would be a, a foolhardy and mistaken to assert that the beatles invented the pop song but they really did perfect it uh and just you know yeah. um, i mean and they moved on past it too which is great because then they got into the psychedelic rock and everything and all the eastern influences and with the sitar and everything but uh, yep. Certainly, uh, in their in their early days, leading up to like Rubber Soul, Revolver, that era, they just like completely took it apart. The whole essence of the pop song, reassembled it, made it better, faster, stronger. They were like the the Henry Ford of of music. They they just cranked out mm. so many great pop songs one after another. It was incredible. Uh, they really did kind of refine that. So it, I think it's fitting that a song that is in a lot of ways paying tribute to and also sending up the Beatles and John Lennon. Uh, it was very much a traditional. I think the song really had to be a very traditional form and a very traditional kind of chord progression to really work as it should. So this was a four-four. Oh yeah, oh yeah. This is four-four time, common time. Uh, sometimes they'll write C with a little line through it to indicate common time on your sheet music. That's just four-four. Uh, traditional rock, traditional pop rock. 
It's interesting because it has such a odd vibe. I think it's it. I think it's so fast. Maybe because it's so fast, and then um, is it the congas? That, that, well, that okay. That? I'm glad you brought up the congas, Tracy. Uh, so that's Andy. Andy doing the congas here because he also will get into later on with the history piece down no. the road. Was was a percussionist originally yeah. with the band, and then bumped over when Tyler came on. So when we when we talk about the lyrics, we will I'm sure bring up a bunch of Lennon slash Beatles references. Uh, but although the, the references, both musical and lyrical, to the Beatles and Lennon are fairly obvious, I once again hear quite a lot of Beach Boys inspiration with the harmonies, the oohs, and the bongos and the congas. Uh, I very much hear that. Whether that was intentional to kind of contrast that the Beach Boys in a lot of ways were kind of America's answer to the Beatles, maybe? I mean, I would. some people would say the monkeys, but that was a little bit more manufactured. Uh, uh, which they, you know, they embrace, and I do enjoy the monkeys. Uh, they're an interesting. We could do a podcast on them. They're an interesting bunch. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I feel like watch our new and upcoming <laughs> monkeys podcast. Get that monkey off my back. I don't know because uh, I don't have enough to do during yeah, the week, <laughs> right? But no, I do hear quite a little, a lot of Beach Boys. So appropriate for the summer of bees. <laughs> summer of bees. Bum, bum, bum. Just for people who haven't looked at the liner notes what I, one of the things i like about this song is that it's very simple and i don't use that as an insult but in terms of the number of instruments used there's beauty and simplicity they can get very very complex bare naked ladies especially even on this album gordon likes to get very complex with the number of instruments and types of inter- instruments that they throw into this album this song is very simple you've got acoustic guitar played by ed you got the congas and tambourine played by Andy. You've got the double bass played by Jim and the drums played by Tyler. And that's it. There's no extra sound. Just those major things. But the song is so full, even though those aren't in there. Like the other stuff, it's just those five instruments. It's the energy. Yeah, yeah the energy it really of the is. song that makes it. It really is. And uh, yeah, I mean, you don't have to be complex. This is We talked uh, last week about... Uh, when we were talking about, I want to say Big Dogs again. We were talking about Bag of Bones. We were talking about how like musically complex it is. And I think you know, there's a lot that I can enjoy, especially as someone who has studied music in that. But I also feel that in a lot of ways, especially when I was younger and in college, uh, I was very much gravitating towards very musically complex things. And I sort of overlooked a lot of simpler stuff. And not just the Beatles. I mean, I always loved the Beatles, but like... They were kind of put on the back burner when I was in college. I was going into like free jazz and, and John Cage and stuff like that. Like even Nirvana, a band like Nirvana, which at the time I did not appreciate. And when I went into college, finally about halfway through college, I started getting into it. I got into a simplicity kick because one of my friends told me about the police. And I'd heard the police, you know, I heard like every breath you take, which everyone heard. But like I hadn't really heard a lot of their more experimental stuff, like or even like you know, like Synchronicity and stuff like that. I think I probably heard Synchronicity 2 at some point on the radio, but I hadn't heard Synchronicity 1. And um, when when my friend and, and bass player at the time, Stu, told me that the police were a three-man group, uh, I suddenly uh, was very intrigued because I was like, wow, they really, they did that with three people. So I started getting into the police and then I got back into the Beatles again. I got into Nirvana and I realized how much I'd been missing in the name of complexity, which complexity is a wonderful thing. And there are many complex things that I adore and love, but there's also a lot of beauty to be found in simplicity and just doing something very simply, but very right and very with a lot of emotional resonance. Um, and in here, the the emotion that I'm getting is joy and just fun 
and and energy so i i totally agree i think it's a really great little track for that that's funny that you mentioned the police because yep. that energy oh, yeah. that they have especially Stuart copeland oh, like man. his his He's amazing too, yeah. drumming um and that energy and that drive that he has he has amazing i i got that album for christmas when i was 13 from my uncle and it's so that synchronicity yeah and it just blew my mind synchronicity one is like amazing like, i love synchronicity two don't get me wrong but when i heard mm-hmm. synchronicity one i was like oh my god i love this band yes, <laughs> yeah so my my yeah. brain just went yeah Whoo! it was it was um, really but... good and really i realized how artistic the band was similar with genesis when i heard like old um old uh uh, uh, Peter Gabriel Genesis, I was blown away. Yes. Uh, not that mm. I don't like Phil Collins Genesis, I do, but uh, I much much prefer the old yeah. artsy fartsy stuff. That's just me. <laughs> so, Be My Oko Ono mm. is a lot more silly. Indeed. In yeah. my mind, but it's got that same driving energy as synchronicity. You know what I mean? It's like in your face a little bit, Definitely. but it's so good. <laughs> Michelle's hot takes. That's all I have to say. That was my <laughs> hot take. Michelle's hot takes. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that. I like it. What are your thoughts, Bobby? I go away for a few weeks and it's, well. All, no, the, um... all the inside jokes. You gotta. <laughs> it literally happened in the um, last episode, Bobby. So you're not. No, it's all good. Anything. Um, <laughs> oh, no, my thoughts. It's funny, you know, that you mentioned the police because they are at my door right now. <laughs> so. Oh, say hi to Sting for me. I don't have long to talk. Um, but, um, Put your pants on. <laughs> this was not the uh, naked track, Bobby. Every track's the naked track. Anyway, um, so uh, speaking about it from a lyrical standpoint, again, it's funny because, you know, as Aaron was saying, and, and I tend to agree i often like artsy stuff with a lot of uh, a substance and so forth but yet at the same time i really dig this song i guess it's not fair people could say bobby you were such a jerk about another postcard and that's just silly but but this song to me is different this song to me yes. is different you, because you had a right to be a jerk thank about you. another postcard thank Jeez. you Let's not re- um, let's not go back say. over that controversy. No, yeah. Hashtag postcard gate. <laughs> <laughs> but that's um, gonna be the the but, rumor is that that's the episode that put a rift in the in the podcast, a schism <laughs> that would run deep. <laughs> that and you know Bobby with the cocaine. And... Yeah, right. <laughs> Me He's leaving to start now. my Stephen Page podcast, and <laughs> oh, anyway. Um... Oh, if you do that, I'd be so so, so happy. <laughs> Um, but then how would I find time to follow lights on Twitter? Anyway, um, so got a lot of plates. The uh, lyrics, obviously, uh, it, it is. There are tons of references to uh, John Lennon and and Yoko Ono, blah blah blah, including her famous, you know, sound that we have used <laughs> on several occasions in this podcast. But obvious for me, no, for <laughs> like that for me. The song, what it, what it's about, boils down to this, and this is why I think it's a nice song. It's this little, tiny little section. Now that I'm far away, it doesn't yeah. seem to me to be such a pain to have mm-hmm. you hanging off my ankle like some kind of ball and chain. That was not in tune. I was just speaking the lyrics, so <laughs> you can't charge us for that. Obviously, that's a that's a simple enough statement, but it's still it's it's the idea that I think we all can relate to. 
is the idea of distance uh, makes us miss the person that we love uh, and so on and so forth. The song then, of course, goes on to be the whole idea. I, I, won't, I won't even go so far as to use the word explore because they're just having fun. But it, But there is that whole idea of love supersedes success. And that's a, you know, that's a sweet idea. Yeah, for me, growing up and always listening to people badmouth Yoko Ono because and accuse her of breaking up the Beatles, which really yes, wasn't exact true. Not even um, close to being her fault. No, not yeah, even close to being true. But like, uh, so it's nice to hear a, a kind of a defense of it. Obviously, the lyrics about like the nakedest two virgins uh, refer yeah. to the old like famous photographs, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, um, and to transition a bit into the video, obviously the video, uh, the official video, the studio video, if you will, definitely has the intercuts of actual like video from John and Yoko's home movies as well as Yoko's performance art pieces. And the band itself is sort of kind of recreating and gently poking fun of some of those performance art pieces. In case anyone cares, the video is directed by a guy named Larry Jordan, who is actually a very serious filmmaker who won like a Guggenheim Fellowship, but made a lot of money by directing music videos, including music videos from Mariah Carey, Billy Idol, Cyndi Lauper, um, and so on, and this one, which I think he probably, and I'm guessing, I never read anything to confirm it, but I'm guessing he must have sort of had fun with this video kind of spoofing the Yoko Ono's, like, uh, the old, like, videos there. Because I I saw, uh, when I was in college, I saw a whole feature-length collection of John and Yoko's kind of home films, plus some of her, like, performance art pieces and stuff. (laughs) It is all pretty wild. But it's also kind of cool because... At the time, John Lennon was trying, was experimenting with creating the idea of music videos. So uh, it's very neat. But anyway, I'm like babbling, babbling. There are a couple of really important things about the song that I want to make sure that that we talk about, though. So that verse that says "bare naked as two virgins," I don't think that's a throwaway verse. I don't think that they're just kind of making fun of the bare naked piece. Um, originally the line was naked as two virgins, but of course they changed it to bare naked for their right. name. But the two virgins line actually refers to, well, the, I think the album, right? Yeah. The album cover. So there's an album called two virgins mm. by John and Yoko. And then every song or almost every song on that album is called two virgins. Part one, yeah. part two, and, and such. There's a couple of songs that don't match that. I didn't listen to the whole album. Um, but, I, you know, obviously, I think that's what Stephen and Ed are referring to when they make that line. To oh, 100%. It as two virgins. 100%. And interesting enough, the the album cover is them bare naked <laughs> and hand in hand. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of controversy online about the last part of that line. A lot of people keep, like, misunderstanding what that last line is about so hand in hand and hand in hand in glove is what most people say it is and that's what the liner notes say that it is in gordon what does that mean what i think it means is there's an old term hand in glove which meant to be in collusion with or to be in association with once again i don't think i, I some people might say that steve is just throwing away to get a rhyme here i I don't think Steve ever throws things away to get a rhyme. 
So I think when he's saying hand in hand and hand in hand and glove, I think he's trying to refer to the fact that like John, when he left the Beatles, he gave up music writing for a very long time. And when he broke up with Yoko, he also gave up music writing for a long time and dedicated himself completely and totally to like that union and that association with Yoko where he was doing art with her. Mm. And where her, like, he then even created this band, the Plastic Ono Band, with her. So, like, everything about their lives was in association and collusion with each other. And I think that's kind of what Steve is referring to in that line very quickly. I was thinking of the song Hand in Glove by the Smiths, but, uh, yeah, I think you're probably more accurate. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think the Smiths line came out after, right? No, but I mean, like, yeah, obviously that came out after, uh, <laughs> but I just mean, you know, it, it was before uh, <laughs> before the BNL song. Oh, was it? Oh, yeah, it was like 83, man. Oh, okay. I was just a wee baby. Well, what was that song about? Probably the same thing. Well, no, no, knowing Morrissey is probably about how terrible it is to be pretty. <laughs> <laughs> well, that could refer to the John and Yoko, too, right? <laughs> Oh, Morrissey. We love you, Morrissey. Come on the show. We know you're listening. Well, he could be referring to them then. No, I doubt it. I mean, there might have been a tongue-in-cheek so? reference, because it wouldn't surprise me if um, if some of the guys were into the Smiths or Morrissey. Oh, or, my God. They gr- totally great songwriter. had to have been. Great songwriter. <laughs> I think he's awesome. And I'm not just saying that because I, I just made a joke, but uh, I Have Forgiven Jesus. Great song. Morrissey's the man. But anyways, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, hand in glove. Oh, the other thing is that... Um, in glove is obviously kind of a pun in in, in love as well. So I mean, there's there's BNL is the happy Canadian rock version of Eminem. You know what I mean? Like Eminem. <laughs> no, and I mean this sincerely. Marshall, by the way, we know you listen. Come on the show. We'd love to talk to you. Uh, oh my gosh, that would be <laughs> or, or awesome. Eminem. <laughs> Legitimately, um, but no, Eminem. I have such respect for the man because like. He will hide rhymes within rhymes. He'll put rhymes not only on the end of his lines but inside of his lines, and then he'll yes. he'll he'll change up his um his emphasis and his timing so that he'll have like a rhyme and then a rhyme and then a rhyme that kind of like goes a, like it's like a palindromic like it reverses itself and it goes back. He's 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 really good. He's he's better than I think a lot of people who don't really take the time to sit down and parse through his his work and actually analyze it would give him credit for. And I feel like BNL is uh, very much the same way. Like very, uh, very dense songwriting. Very uh, intentful songwriting. They're, they're like Kubrick, you know. Agreed. Yes. Bare Naked Ladies video for this song was shot in one day. Before they left on their Gordon tour. So how many references did you guys pick up in the video? Well, I mean... Oh, gosh. Aside from the fact that they used actual footage. (laughs) Right, right, right. (laughs) Well, do you know where the actual footage came from? I remember the the sit-in or the sleep-in or lay-in or whatever it was. I mean, not... I wasn't... No, I don't... When was that? Was that late... Late 70s or early 80s? That was before the Beatles actually broke up, if I remember correctly. That was okay. One of so that the was actually that, that John quite well back then. in Ballad of John and Yoko. Yeah. So I wasn't. I mean, it's not like I wasn't alive at the time. I don't remember in that sense, but I remember reading about it and, and I think seeing Thanks. it. Really, really give me like age me there. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm just sitting here playing my Pac Man video games, listening to my trap music. <laughs> 
Sorry about that. <laughs> you guys want to get neck tattoos? What's up? <laughs> Is that a thing what that I was young people trying do? to reference? <laughs> Is that Yoko actually gave them all the clips? Right. Yep. Yeah. So Yoko actually heard this song, was impressed by it, and gave them the music. Well, so she liked the song, but she said she preferred "If I Had a Million Dollars." Well, yeah. <laughs> yes, <she laughs> I read <did>. that. That's, <laughs> yeah, that, that was really funny. And that's it was you know cool because before Gordon actually came out in in so July fourteenth, nineteen ninety one, Bernick ladies were playing down in New York City, and so on the fourteenth. At the Palladium, Stephen and Ed actually met Sean Lennon Ono and invited them to the show the next night and gave them a copy of the tape that they had. Now, if I remember correctly, that would be the yellow tape at that point because they had not yet released Gordon. The next night, they played at the Limelight in New York City as part of the New New Music Seminar. Sean Lennon was in attendance and heard them playing Yoko Ono. He went home, played the music for his mom, and he really and she liked it and he went and actually caught up with them soon afterwards and told them that she liked it and then she sent them all the clippings that they then used in the video later on. Very cool. Yeah. Incidentally, I should add too that you know she liked it. She also likes life cereal. There you go. <laughs> Sean likes life cereal. No, Yoko, she likes it. <laughs> you guys don't get the reference to like the. Uh, is this like. I she's totally like Mikey? She likes it. Yeah, hey, Yoko. <laughs> I'm trying to get you guys. Man, are you Stretch Armstrong? Because you are reaching far with that yeah, one, though. I think. <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get you guys a sponsor. <laughs> Life, if you're listening, Stretch please sponsor Armstrong? us. You know who else likes Life Cereal? I do. <laughs> Cash check. <laughs> Aaron likes it. Cha-ching. Insert cash register. It's sound. really good when it's a little bit on the soggy side with really cold milk. I agree. Mm. <laughs> I love life cereal. Hashtag Seriously. life cereal for your life. I actually like life cereal better than I like my life. I'm just saying. <laughs> I was about to commit suicide Ouch. and then I ate life cereal. It saved me. Well, <laughs> life is much better than death cereal. I'll tell you that. <laughs> anyway, um, I could, yeah, back to so Yoko anyway, Oda. So anyway, the references to this in this video. <laughs> we might want to cut that. Yeah. <laughs> what the life cereal? Cut everything except just for saying. us saying cut that part. Let everyone wonder. <laughs> <laughs> the the episode starts with <laughs> yeah that could be the that could be the the pre credit stinger that's our Marvel stinger so here are the references that I got okay that are, that refer to Yoko Ono we have the Green Apple so of course Beatles Green Apple Apple Records we have the scissors which it refers to her cutting pieces um, so she was a performance artist. So her cutting cutting pieces performance art in 1965, mm-hmm. where she would invite people up from the audience to come and cut pieces off from her dress until the dress was in shreds. Um, Steve and... was doing the same thing in the video, of course. Yes, yes I noticed that. Then there's the ladders, which yeah. referred to the free time video, which on John Lennon's 31st birthday, she did a exhibit at the Everson Museum in New York 
And one of the things that was on there was where they were having people jump off the ladders onto the floor. Interestingly enough, it's at the end of the video. If you watch the whole thing, someone actually falls and like slips off the ladder, lands on the floor really hard. And John's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And like helps them off the stage. Um, And then kicks them in the face. You also have the very beginning of the video starting with This Is Not Here, which was the name of that art exhibit. There's the ceiling paint, um, which was also a reference to the ladder. The golden ladders were also a reference to ceiling paint, which was another one of her performance arts. Which The the Invisible Flower was a reference to an Invisible Beauty book, um, a a book called Invisible Beauty, which was a um, special person that came into another person's life and saw the invisible beauty in another person. Okay, sorry. So, th- so there was the <laughs> dandelions that were on the floor and on the back that we saw the, with the with the video camera that were was shining the light on the back. There was two I didn't get. There was the one where she they were pa- smashing the vases, mm-hmm. the clay the clay pots, and mm-hmm. I know that she did that, but I didn't get the name of the exhibit that she did that in. Um, I searched Google up and down for that one for hours and couldn't find it. Um, and then there was the black veiled dancers that were dancing around the gravestone. And I know that that is so Yoko Ono. It had to have been something she did. I didn't get the reference though. Wow. Yeah, you I searched could... Google for hours. I did. Did you find it in Dude. like five seconds? Dude, I'm sorry. No, I try like once. If I don't try, if I don't find it like in my first try, I'm like, well, someone else will find it. There was an exhibit called Mend Piece, which invited visitors to piece together broken fragments of ceramic cups and saucers using glue, string, and tape. Apparently, mm. according to Gar- thank you for finding gardnermuseum.on.ca. All right, thank you for finding that because I could not. I don't know how many times I typed in smash vases, hammer vases. Couldn't find it. You, I don't know what you typed in, but you found it. Clay pot smash Yoko Ono. <laughs> Google, why do you hate me? <laughs> I just typed in, I'm smashed. <laughs> and for some reason, it had nothing to do with Yoko Ono or anything. That's so weird. My results. I typed in, Google hates Tracy, and it didn't work. Just like that joke. No, but I, I must say that that was a very thorough job that you did with the uh, with the references there. Yes, indeed. I didn't catch a lot of those. I, I still haven't found the Black Veiled Dancers, but I don't know if she did something like around John's grave. I could see her doing something wasn't, like that. Wasn't there a, a home movie they released? I want to say they cut up pieces of it to turn into a video for one of his songs with the Plastic Ono Band, where there was some that looked familiar to me. Uh, no, yeah, I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's yeah. been a long time since I saw it, but no, I think yeah, I think it might have something to do with that. I'm not positive, though. Don't take it to the bank on my memory. Why do we say there was that reference in there, too? <laughs> so it's pro- it's almost assuredly not a reference to They Might Be Giants, but just to keep myself on this, <laughs> we need a counter for how many episodes in a row I mentioned them. Uh, they said uh, some, they, they mentioned a ball and chain, like some ball and chain, uh, which made me think of Lucky Ball and Chain by They Might Be Giants. I know I keep comparing them, but I do feel it's fair and valid. I'm sure that Bobby will have more to say about the lyrics than I do, but I'll get my piece out of the way really quickly. I just like that it starts off with, isn't it beautiful to see two people so much in love? I might have expected, knowing what I do now of Stephen Page, uh, certainly, to, to see this song alternate between 
sincere and then sarcastic and snarky. But this seems to be almost entirely sincere, with you know a couple of uh, you know little little like references and stuff. But I mean, I think that uh, it's a very high energy piece, and it seems to be mostly sincere, which is great because this was released around the same time that Nirvana really started to make it big with Nevermind. So you have this like you know huge sea change in music going to this like all ironic all the time uh kind of attitude where everything sucks <laughs> you know and as much as uh certainly teenage aaron was very into that and i still love and adore that music uh it is really nice to see at the same time this was happening up in canada where they're like hey man isn't it yeah. so beautiful to see two people so much in love <laughs> and it yeah. is so does anyone disagree with that with that analysis of what the song's about well, I mean, clearly, yeah, there's more to it than that, but I'll, I'll, I'll let you guys. <laughs> and I just want to add on to what Aaron said, you know, like it is sincere, but I do feel, and it's cheerful, but I do feel like that the line now I'm far away, doesn't seem to me to be such yeah. a pain to be hanging off my ankle, like some ball of chain. <laughs> I feel like that's the beginning of Steven's reveals. You know, it's not the bridge per se, mm -hmm. but it's, it's that kind of sets the precedent for what we will see in the future for him to kind of have his we, private aside. To well, the if, if you really analyze that line in particular, you're so right. This is so Canadian, though. Again, it's the passive aggressive. That's the most Canadian line that I've heard in a while. It's, basically, it's them saying, I don't mind that you're so annoying. I love you. <laughs> but, but the way it's written is yeah. like that is Stephen yeah. Page. No, that's right? good that's stuff. His, that, that's a spicy meatball. Mm. That's the beginning of what becomes an awesome pattern yeah. of his, is telling the Legit. truth in the bridge. Like, that's it right there. What do you have to say, Bobby? Yeah. What? No, I mean, first, you know, of course, you look at the uh, old expression, the old ball and chain, which is a terrible <laughs> expression to talk about a partner yeah, with. It's not love. very nice. But again, I mean, I look at the first two lines of that now that I'm far away. doesn't seem to me. First off, I mean, where is he? Why is he far away? And he's inviting her to, you know, kind of come back, follow him wherever he goes. There is that idea, absence makes the heart grow fonder, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. That, that sort of feel to it. I don't know. I, I don't know if my read on the song or my take on it, it's not a hot take. It's sort of lukewarm take. <laughs> lukewarm take. Um, but it's not dissimilar to Aaron, Bobby's lukewarm I... takes. No, no, no. You can't be that excited, Tracy. Bobby's lukewarm takes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not dissimilar to Aaron's. I do think it is mostly a, yeah, mostly optimism sincere. sort of song. <laughs> They've got the little break in it. They've got Ed's little break, adding the puns and so forth and uh, whatnot. But, yeah, I don't see it as being, like, having any kind of hidden... Yeah, I, I mean, I think you'd have Agenda. to be I, I think super cynical. Well, okay, well, I'm, I'm very curious to hear you have to say, Tracy. I was just going to say, I think you have to be super cynical. Because, like, to me... Well, that's me. To me, this hinges... <laughs> this all hinges on... If you believe that the narrator of this song does not blame Yoko Ono for breaking up the Beatles, then it's sincere. She wouldn't like it. If you think that he secretly harbors <laughs> a grudge and thinks that she broke up the Beatles, then it becomes sort of sarcastic and, like... Then, then I can see. I think maybe that's where you're going with this, Tracy. But oh, what see, do you I'm think? going a different direction. Okay. Why so, would she be a fan could, if that were the case? <laughs> <laughs> you can assume that this song is about this teenager who fell in love, and then he's going away, and he's touring with his band. Mm. Who said and teenager? He's missing his love. I mean, you could totally assume that. 
I don't think that's what this song... This song is about a stalker. Okay. Okay? Now that I'm far away... He's been... A restraining order has been put on him. Now that I'm far away, it doesn't seem to me to be such a pain to have you hanging off my ankle like some... He is... Surely... He is okay. Like, isn't he, isn't he hanging off her ankle Wait, then at he, that point? He is hanging her off it. Wait. But the thing is... I'm Stretch Armstrong... <laughs> oh no, no but wait tracy's Aaron, fetch earlier. armstrong he's going for the big barking dogs <laughs> but wait a minute earlier Aaron, you said that the the beginning lines of the song is isn't it too beautiful to see two people yeah. so much alone? that's not though this song starts off if there's someone you can live without then do so Oh, that's true yeah if there's true, someone you can true. just throw out then do so true i think i don't think steven's the stalker in the song I think that he has a stalker. He has thrown this person far away, but now he's kind of regretting it. He has got almost Stockholm syndrome Stockholm kind of going on syndrome. here. Well, I think okay. I'm not gonna totally dismiss your theory, although I think stalker is a strong word. I think he might have had. I think he might have had a clingy girlfriend that he said. Let's set you aside, but then he realized he couldn't live without her. That seems more Stephen and, Page like to me. And that's his first one. I think the stalker no, thing kidding, is... I'm just kidding, I'm sorry. We're starting to get into room 237 territory here. <laughs> and picture his age at this point. Like, he's in his late teens, early 20s when he wrote this. I mean... Yeah. He's not going to want to be hindered by a girlfriend. No. Oh, maybe an alternative girlfriend. But he's going to love the attention. <laughs> right. He's, gonna, he's going to like the attention, yeah. though. And I'm sure that's what he misses. If we're going to go there, I'm going to have a very specific spin on it. But, yeah. yeah. I think if you really look at those first <laughs> two lines, if there's someone you can live without, then do so. He's obviously murdered her and now really regrets <laughs> having murdered her. Oh, my God. Um, oh, there's a song we're coming to about murder. Wow. We're just getting progressively more... I didn't, you, you leapfrogged me. I was going to make a reference to the, the novel Zodiac. By, uh, if, if, and four years from now, we'll reach the murder song. There is a murder song <laughs> on this album. I was just um, being, uh, I, of course, I was just being yeah, outrageously oh, no, no. silly, Agreed. jumping off of uh, uh, Tracy's uh, stalker <laughs> theory here. We, we will cover the murder song in four years, and you'll be like, holy cow, I'll never look at that song ever the same ever again. Oh, I think I know which one it is. I I think I remember reading. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh okay. It's it's one it's it's one of the <laughs> yeah, big fact, ones. Maybe possibly it follows yeah. this song up. It's, it's one of the big. <laughs> so ones. maybe this is the pre. You know what? Maybe here's my theory. Okay. <laughs> he he has <laughs> he a murders stalker. the stalker. He murders the stalker. You got it, Aaron. Yes. And then they go he on Jerry Springer. He starts to, <laughs> he starts to fall in love with her. He's like. That no, and he murders her. Oh man! Wow! I think you've been reading too much Reddit. I feel. <laughs> I feel the show has taken some stylistic shifts since I left. Uh, Bobby, it's uh, so yeah. it's so dark without you here. We need you here I to mean, be because if you're not the dark one, we all become the dark one. And Tracy's then... dropping f bombs. <laughs> What's going? He's dropping on? Yoko's left and right. I just like yodeling. Oh my god. 
All right. Oh my goodness. Really briefly before we get on to anyway. ratings, if, unless people have other things they would like to add in here. <laughs> Michelle's like, nope, this has turned a really dark corner. <laughs> also, before we get to ratings, just real quick, I feel I would be remiss if I did not mention for all of you fans out there, this song, of course, a uh, big friend to the... Bare Naked Ladies is the television program, The Big Bang Theory, <laughs> and this song was featured in a montage in season two, episode six, called uh, the episode called the Cooper Nowitzki Theorem. Fe- yes, fe- yes, featuring the wonderful Ricky Lindholm as uh, this a girl who is uh, who pushing Sheldon. What is she? What's that? Yeah, a, and what is she, what did she do to Sheldon? What? Back up my my theory. What does she she's, do to Sheldon? She's uh, <laughs> she's not stalking. She <laughs> Yoko Ono's him. He yeah, but anyway, she is sort of Yoko Ono in the sense that uh, well, she's not she's really more a of a Yoko stalker, Ono, right? But she's the a rumor stalker. of what a Yoko Ono. She's keeping Sheldon from hanging out with the guys because she wants him to finish working on the she's theorem. She's more of a wet he blanket gets, than a stuff. <laughs> he gets rid of, oh, yeah. gets rid of her she's very quickly by not sharing credit with her. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, anyway, I figured people, fans of the song and that show would be like, I can't believe they didn't mention the pop culture reference. I'm not listening anymore. Too much self-mark humor and not enough pop culture references. That's right. That's our problem. And just to come back um, one more time. Oh, by really the way, quickly. that guy followed up and said he stopped listening, you know. Wait, really? <laughs> that guy followed up in a comment yeah. and said, Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> I love I love that he actually took the time to be like, okay, signing off. This is this Don't is hater man. And Signing off. Good stars. night. Good night and good luck. It's it's like when you're in a Facebook group and somebody has to announce that they're leaving. They <laughs> Did he two star us? It's like he doesn't absolutely hate us. He just dislikes us intensely. <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious. Now he's the guy who thinks Yoko Ono broke up the Beatles. Uh, that's the thing, Yoko. She's actually pretty cool. Like if you don't, if you're not aware no, of like her art and what she does, go yes. go do a wiki search. Go google um she has done some really cool things and uh and without her we probably wouldn't have had because we probably wouldn't have had imagine we probably wouldn't have had many of my favorite songs that lennon and the beatles went on to make so uh honestly i am very happy for yoko and and um sean lennon her son um i know julian lennon (laughs) also had a brief career in music i'm not sure what he's up to these days but uh sean lennon actually continues to make really great music i went to see the uh, lennon uh, what is it called? The Lennon Claypool Delirium, I believe. Les Claypool from Primus and Sean Lennon. Uh, oh, yeah. Amazing, amazing yeah, live cool. set they put on. It was really cool. And uh, yeah, he's he's still doing some great some great musical work today. So I'm happy that uh, and, and they were clearly very yes. much in love. And you know, uh, who are we as what what kind of an a hole fan? Even if I'll leave it at this. Even if you assume that she was responsible for the break of the Beatles, which if you know anything about the which politics of the band at that yeah. time is highly unlikely. Even if you believe that she was 100% responsible, what kind of a what kind of a jerk do you have to be like no, no John Lennon, you can't be with the love of your life. You have to continue to make rock music for us. No. With three guys yeah. that you hate. I have to say this song actually cuz I used to hate John Lennon, well not John Lennon, but I used to hate his late stuff. 
because what? of I felt like he left <laughs> the Beatles. Yeah, I'm with Bobby and on that. And this song made me relook at all. Yeah, but Double his Fantasy was great. Beatles stuff because it I is. had assumed that he left because of Yoko, and I relooked at it and and revisited it and read the history, and I'm like, boy, I was stupid to believe that, and like actually got into enjoying his later stuff. So thank you, bare naked ladies. For opening my eyes to that situation. Alrighty. The more you know. <laughs> Ratings. And I long for the sound of your voice. Ratings. So I'm. We are going to rate by balls and chains. <laughs> okay. How many balls and chains do we give this? I'll start. I think I usually do. To me, as I said earlier, this song to me, is what the Bare Naked Ladies sound like. It's certainly not my favorite BNL song at all. I wouldn't necessarily even look for it or try to listen to it, but it's their sound. It's their energy. It's them. This is their signature sound. It's This is what I want when I listen to them. Or I want Break Your Heart, which will come to this summer. That is really the sound that I'd like to go for. But... Summer of bees. More bees. Um, So, for me, I love this song. I love the sound. I give it a solid four. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Aaron, how many balls and chains do you give this song? Well, Michelle, I'm happy to say that tonight we are not even in harmony. We are in perfect unison, as I have also given... Be my Yoko Ono for ball and chains, or is that balls and chain or balls ball and chains? And, I, first I had ball and chains, then I had balls and chains. I think it's like I wasn't... ball and chain. It's like almost one word. I'm gonna say four ball, ball and chains. chains. <laughs> Sounds good. I really enjoyed this song. Chains. I like it. Hashtag ball and chain. Yeah. <laughs> I bet that will be trending. Very Join the conversation, soon. Bobby. And Bobby, before you give us your rating, I want to say. It has been a pleasure having you yes. on this show. It really has. Oh, I, I hope that you come back again, you. Bobby. Although I, I this really has taken probably so much longer than what you guys usually do. I, I'm sorry. I know this. you're busy with lights. I know you've got a lot going on. You guys are really busy. You've got a big, busy summer together. Yes. But I'm thrilled that you're here. Same. I hope to come back and do a few things here yes, and there. Yes, we break, want you to. Break away from that Stephen Page um, podcast every now and then. <laughs> yeah. People are going to start looking for that. They'll be like, that liar. Anyway, uh, so yeah, this song, I got to say, I mean, it's got a lot of balls. So, uh, wah, wah. Someone had to, right? You've been Um, missed. (laughs) No, so I agree. Uh, Here's the thing. Again, it is not perhaps their greatest song or anything like that. However, there's a rare thing in my life. There are certain songs, Dire Straits, Walk of Life is one of them, where it's impo- no matter what mood I'm in, if that song, like, if I'm in the grocery store and I'm like, Ur, and that song starts playing, I'm suddenly like, I can't help but sort of sing along and feel better. This is that sort of song for mm. me as well. Yes. So for that, I appreciate it very much and will also give it a solid four. Wow. Ooh, hashtag lockstep. Tracy's going to be the one to to break it up. I am. I'm going to be the one to break it. I am. This quintessentially is BNL for me. This was one of these songs that initially made me fall in love with this band. Uh, The sound, the irreverence, the humor, the fun, the energy. um, 
not to the mention casual stalker murder. <laughs> I love stalker murder. <laughs> and I lost all oh, my clients. Man. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. to, to me, not to mention the importance of this song. There is never a time that I will skip this song. It is on my playlist. It will always be on my playlist. It will always be listened to every single time. To me, this is, I think, my first, not my last, five. Wow. Uh, you, you gave you gave alcohol a five as well, but I can Did see I? this being up there. This has so got to be... This, Sorry, go this ahead. This is... I'm... That's all right. Just get there. Peep boop, peep boop, peep boop, peep boop, peep boop, peep boop. Right. <laughs> no whammies, no me, whammies. This song... Let me crunch... Wait, hold on. Let me do my cold bear keyboard. Uh, <laughs> there we go. Be My Yoko Ono is yeah. now number three. Ooh. Wow. Oh, nice. It's number three in the list. It's between Alternative Girlfriend at number two and A at number four. Where you know, I'm okay with this. I think that's pretty accurate. It's it's a darn good And is song. alcohol still number one? Yeah. Alcohol now, which is one? still number one. Number one, and probably always will be. <laughs> what was my other number five? <laughs> we'll see. Alcohol, which also Brian Wilson. Brian Wilson, Brian Wilson might unseat alcohol. I don't know. Brian Wilson, I, I would be okay if that unseated alcohol. But... I want to come back for that one, but we'll see. Yeah, please do. Yes, we want you to. So we have a new segment, guys. It's have never had this for any other BNL song. I hope we have this more often, but right now there's not a lot of them out there, so people, please. This segment is covers. Now, BNL has done a number of their covers in their time, but there are actually some songs that have some people, some bands that have covered BNL songs. This week is our first time that we get to a song that ha- that someone has covered Bare Naked Ladies. Cornbread Red has covered Be My Yoko Ono, it's a bluegrass version. If there is someone you can live without, then do so. If there's someone you can just shove out, then do so. I don't know if you guys got a chance to listen to that this week, but I, I kind of liked it. Now, I do not like it as much as Bare Naked Ladies version, but it's kind of cool and has this really different feel to it. I can so, see the song lending itself to that. You know, you just got to change it up a little bit and there you go. There is a wonderful little brunch nook spot, whatever you call it, place to eat breakfast foods at a lunchtime if you're hungover. Let's call it what it is. Uh, there's a wonderful little place to eat brunch in the, the area of Maine that I am broadcasting from in my secret lair here that plays nothing but bluegrass covers of well-known pop and rock tunes. Uh, and it's, it's like the most wonderful little background music while you're sipping a mimosa and eating a lot of bacon. <laughs> and if you pay us $1 million, we'll one tell you what million, this place is. Yes, we'll disclose the <laughs> secret place. Or if, or if they want to advertise, it's it, it, less than well, $1 million. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Ooh, that, we could go for local sponsorship. There we go. See if they offer Canadian bacon there. <laughs> for our BNL fans. So yeah, I I like this version. It just it wasn't as amazing as BNL's, but it was it was a really neat kind of cool thing. Yeah, it was so. interesting to hear that tune in a different context, and it was well done. And the great thing is we're going to come back to them more cuz they did a whole album of BNL covers. 
Oh, really? Yeah. So we'll be we'll be coming back to them in the future, uh, even within the bees. Interesting. Very nice. Yeah, Quickly, Tracy. appearance. The, the most honest and obvious appearance for this week is going to be the Speaker's Corner video. So that will be my appearance for the week, and nice. I will post that up there. Uh, I was going to talk a little bit about Paul McCartney and, and some references the band has made to him as well as the, he has made about the band. We'll hold that off until we hit junk, which is a couple of years ahead here. Not long, no. <laughs> so you're not just, long. You're going to have to keep listening. Or just It'll keep. And then catch up. <laughs> you can be my Yoko Ono. So this show is my Yoko Ono. It means a lot to me. Well, wait. Okay, well, wait. Now I've dug myself a hole with my wife. Uh, I don't think she's listening, but never mind. Uh, the point is the podcast is really important to me. <laughs> not, not as important as my Yoko Ono downstairs. I love you, babe. Um, so we always want to hear your constructive criticism on how to improve the show. Also, Woo! if you know a good divorce lawyer, please let us know. <laughs> <laughs> we'd love to know when people are listening to the show like tyler harper so please let us yes, know please. send us some electronic postcards by visiting facebook or twitter at bare naked abcs visit us at bowlingstormtrooperentertainment.com or writing us the bare naked truth of the matter at bare abcs at gmail.com and yoko ono or sean lennon mm. if you're listening you're always welcome on the show or, or Paul, you're always welcome on, Paul. Or, you know, we think you're a great storyteller. We'd love to talk. Or Richard Starkey. Ringo, yeah. Richard Starkey. I understand you're connected oh, to man. the Beatles somehow, too. Um, he, that was, he, wasn't he, uh, he was uh, the conductor on Shining Time Station, right? I think right? so, yes. And I think there's some connections there with Shining Time Station. Actually, Stephen did do, go. and we'll refer this in the future, Stephen did do a song for Thomas the Train. So it's kind of similar, right? Yeah. No way. So so that's how go. Richard Starkey's connected. Nice. Right? Um, <laughs> Ringo, we love you. Come on the show. He would come on. He would be a wonderful guest. Ringo I love Ringo. Star. Legitimately, I love we Ringo. We ask you sincerely I, oh my God. to come on our show. Anytime. We'd love to have you. Ringo, if you come on the show, oh my God. we will give you some life cereal. <laughs> I want Ringo to read. Ringo loves life. <laughs> well, how is he going to pass that up, Bobby? Everyone loves life cereal. Cha-ching. Uh, I think we should get Ringo to come on and read bad reviews of the podcast. Yes. Oh, like there we go. Tweets. We could do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Instead of reading his own hey. tweets, he reads ours. <laughs> All I can say is thanks again, guys, for letting me oh, thank you for being hang here, out. Buddy. And uh, I got to say it's a joy to be on the real, definitive, number one <laughs> Bare Naked Ladies podcast. And, and first, like so many great Darn YouTube right. comments. First. <laughs> Well, we were glad to have you here on the first Bare Naked Alphabetical Podcast. Of By sorts. the way, the guys did call us out. <laughs> exactly. The, oh, yeah. the other, well, the other said. supposed podcast did call us out this week. If that is their real name. Yeah. They, what, well, their comment was something along the lines of, yes, we, we accept your challenge. Uh-oh. We bite our thumbs at you as well. <laughs> well. Yeah. Well, then. Wow. It's on. It, it, it's on. It's on. The other thing is, so no, they, the, they seem like cool people. I'd like to talk. To I them. do want to send out an official thank you to the unofficial BNL video pod uh, Facebook page. 
they listed us last week, and he then oh, nice. wrote and did a video based on Baby Seat, and he said that the reason he did it was because he heard our mm. podcast and our episode about Baby Seat, listened to it again, and loved it, and did the video. Nice, on. awesome, wow, nice. thank you, nice, very cool. So thank you very yeah, much, unofficial B and L video. I feel very, very nice. proud of. Be- be- Wait a second, I wasn't on that episode. <laughs> you're, you're anyway, always here with us, Bobby. <laughs> In spirit, right? totally. <laughs> it's so much it's funny how you guys have certainly started getting much higher reviews and, and acclaim since uh, these last few weeks I don't know what, what's been going on I think that you keep writing those reviews for us <laughs> <laughs> oh is that what Bobby does now that's why he can't ever be on the podcast he's going to write all those exactly. reviews exactly <laughs> So tonight's song was beautiful. Bobby, you being here tonight was beautiful. It was. Michelle's outfit was beautiful. Thank you. Even though you can't see it. I'm wearing a dress. Uh, But we do need to move on. And I took a shower today. (laughs) Maybe that's why you're beautiful. (laughs) Holy, whoa, whoa. I, I'm the, the the light that is sparkling I off know. of you now. Is, yeah. She whiz. Blinding. What? You going to the royal <laughs> wedding or something? <laughs> What's that, the occasion? I wore this to the royal wedding and I've just slept in it ever since. So. <laughs> I woke up like this. Was beautiful as well. Yes. <laughs> By the way, yeah. we do need to move on to next week's song, but do you guys know what it is? Something starting with the letter B. It's yeah, just... I'm guessing it's a B word. <laughs> Laurel. <laughs> Yanny. Yanny. I, I agree, Bobby. It Laurel is Yanny. Laurel. We just dated this episode. <laughs> hey, you guys, is the dress black and blue or is it white and gold? I don't know. Am I. D- <laughs> Airline food. What's the deal? <laughs> I'm going to cut us off there before we date ourselves even more and talk about this interview is over. Wham. And next week we're going to talk about beautiful (laughs) off everything. I want to, I want to say it's off bare naked ladies are me, but it might be bare naked ladies are men. I'll tell you next week. Thanks everybody. (laughs) Okay. Bye-bye. Laurel. (laughs) Thanks. And that was fun. That was fun Don't forget No regrets Except maybe one Laurel Laurelaniel <laughs> L- 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 I distinctly heard Wilhelm Laurel and Hardy Handshake Yes, it's a Laurel and Hardy <laughs> Laurel and Yanny Handshake <laughs> <laughs> Man, this episode's like God with the Witch. All right. This is a long episode. It was the best of Laurels. It was the worst of Yannis. <laughs> well, you know, maybe I was thinking we could start a new uh, a new segment also. You know, we could do like we could do like a, a, a pros and cons, you know, like almost like a like a darts and Yannis kind of thing. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.